You're listening to the Mission Bitcoin Podcast. Alright everybody, welcome to the Mission Bitcoin Podcast, where each week we explore Christian responsibility in adopting Bitcoin. I'm Matt Solik, your host, and we're glad to have you with us. On this week's episode, we're continuing our series in El Salvador, where Patrick had the pleasure of meeting some great people while attending a Bitcoin conference last month. Today, Patrick meets with Mike Peterson, the director of Bitcoin Beach, and widely thought of as a major catalyst for El Salvador's adoption of Bitcoin as he's working towards bringing financial inclusion and opportunities to the most marginalized in El Salvador. Mike and his wife were sent from his home church in San Diego as missionaries to El Zante 17 years ago. In their conversation today, they specifically explore some of the biblical themes of what Mike has been working on in El Zante, along with using Bitcoin on the mission field for the church at large. Now, let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. I hope you guys enjoy this. Mike, uh, thanks so much for really this impromptu uh, interview with you. Um, we're here in Hope House with uh, Mike Patterson, and I'm honored to to be here talking with you. And I think that most of the people that listen to the podcast um, obviously know, you know, who you are and what you do. But I'm, I'm personally just very interested in kind of the backstory of, you know, how you ended up here, you know, what, 17 years ago. And um, I think you also still have a, a business in San Diego that you manage. So I'd love to kind of dive in there. But um, just thanks for this opportunity. Thank you very much. Yeah, stoked that you were able to make it down here mm-hmm. and participate in this exciting week. Uh, I think it's the, the first Bitcoin week in any country that's like yeah. officially recognized. And so that's been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, so going back to the history of it, 17 years ago, came down here on a surf trip with uh, a buddy of mine that I went to university with. And it just happened to be El Salvador had the cheapest tickets at that time. And we knew there was good waves here. So we, we came on down and then we actually, uh, it was supposed to be a two weeks in um, El Salvador, and then we got dragged into a, uh, a medical missions trip in Guatemala for the second trip. My buddy was a doctor, and they had the doctor that was supposed to be coming with them kind of fall out. And so we wound up going to Guatemala for the second part, and I got, was supposedly the translator. And uh, if, if you hung out with me uh, for any amount of time, you know my Spanish is, it gets me by, but I'm def- definitely not translation uh, quality. So. But it was an amazing trip, and I kind of fell in love with El Salvador while we were here and called my wife and said, okay, we need to go back to El Salvador and buy a place. And that was the beginning. We came back a month later, and we we bought a a house here. And every year we would spend, you know, anywhere from a month to three months. We have a a seasonal business in the U.S. We have a food concessions business uh, in in California. And so that gave us kind of the— Thank you, sir. Okay. Sorry. You want me to start over or? Uh... We can edit it. Okay. Yeah. So we have a, a food business uh, in the U.S. that, um, you know, provides us a lot of time off the rest of the year. And we started spending more and more time in, in El Salvador. And then uh, probably about eight years ago, we felt like it was time to kind of make that switch and make this our primary home. We were working with a number of different uh, missionaries and and people that we met through the church we were attending here. It's uh, the only English-speaking church, so there was a lot of um, people that were starting churches or working with different NGOs. And so 
Um, we saw for them it was a challenging place to live, and they had nobody kind of on ground offering them support. They were doing amazing things, but we saw a lot of burnout and a lot of times um, them not operating super efficiently because they didn't have a business background. And so my wife and I felt like we could come down here and not start our own thing, but try to help the existing uh, projects that were happening here be more efficient, be more healthy, and be supported on the ground. And so that's where Mission Sake was born. And we, Jorge was our, our first employee that we hired, and he helped us. We would run a retreat every year. In fact, we just had that retreat last weekend uh, down in Costa del Sol. And then we have a couple guest homes that we let these people stay in for up to 10 nights a year for free. Uh, most of them are raising support and living on very limited um, salaries, and so they just don't have funds for vacation and time away. So and these so are actual missionaries that. that are coming down and raising support, and you provide a place for them. Yeah, okay, so we have awesome. these missionary guest house, we call okay. them. And so that one of them's here in El Zante, the other one's in Punta Mango. And those were the two communities where we're, we're there, we're living, we wanted to have a positive impact on the community. And so that was where um, the local outreach happened. Jorge specifically spearheaded the one that happened in El Zante. He has just a real heart for the youth. He has you know, a very typical Salvadoran story. He grew up without knowing his dad. His dad went to the mm -hmm. U.S. to work. He saw you know, a lot of his friends fall into the gangs and a lot of them were killed in different situations. And so he saw just a lot of the tragedy that this kind of cycle that tends to repeat itself of, of kind of destructive to the families where the, the dad or the mom leave. Oftentimes they're gone for years. They wind up with another family mm -hmm. in the U.S. The, the kids here grow up without their parents. Mm -hmm. They're susceptible to the gangs because of that. Um, and then as the gangs grow, there's less and less job opportunities, so more people leave, and so you have this destructive cycle. And he had a real vision to kind of break that, and that's why we have a real focus on education and the youth and trying to get people to dream that they can build a future here. And so that's the basis of everything we do here. And then Bitcoin was interjected in that a couple years ago, and it was really kind of the the secret sauce that brought it to the next level, that made it sustainable, and that really unleashed in the young people here a desire to get more education, a desire to save for the future. Bitcoin just changes your mind. Yes. It, it changes the way you think, changes the way you see the world. And so once they started engaging in, in Bitcoin and saving in Bitcoin, a lot of these other things just happen naturally. And now it's grown to, to what you see today. Really, the, the community has been transformed and, and you know now the country is being transformed. And that let's unpack a lot of that. But, you know, I was sharing a little bit about what my interest is um, with Bitcoin. I mean, do you think from a from a mission perspective or from a, a church perspective, how do you think Bitcoin and what you've done here could be used as a model for church missions? Have you thought about that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of practical aspects. A lot of a lot of what you, we do when we're out in communities is basically helping people to be able to feed their families and seeing that as, as Christians, that should weigh on all of our hearts when we see that, when we see mothers and fathers who can't provide for the basic needs of their kids. We see people living in horrible situations and, and we have so much, we should want to speak into that. And Bitcoin is a perfect tool because you're not just giving them something for that moment, you're teaching them how the financial system works so that they are not just taken advantage of for the rest of their life. They actually can grow their wealth, they can create their own businesses, they can build a future. And so where a lot of times when you're doing community service work or missions work using dollars, you can create dependency. Yep. 
With Bitcoin, it's the opposite. You get them thinking about all of these things and then they become motivated. A lot of times when people come in and do something and they leave, it all falls apart. But with Bitcoin, it plants that seed within them that they can have a better future. And I think as, as a Christian, I believe that that is justice. That's exposing them to a just financial system that they're not going to be uh, taken advantage of and that they're going to be on an equal playing field with the rich and the wealthy who have always kind of taken advantage of their position. And so really, I think it's a great equalizer. And I think that's what the gospel message was, that we're all you know, equal before God, that, that God loved us all and, and sent his son Jesus to, to save us and cares about all of us. It doesn't make difference if you're wealthy or poor. And so I think for the people here to be exposed to uh, a money system that's not corrupted by the world, I think, makes a big difference. Do, and so do you, um, giving that Christian background and, and the equity of, of Bitcoin and the justice of Bitcoin, does that ever play into your messaging? Um, or, and if it doesn't, do you think that could be a natural way to almost evangelize using Bitcoin? We've We've been kind of careful with that because we want this to be something that's open to everybody. Sure. And really our desire is just to improve the, the lives of those around us. And so we don't hide who we are and we're very open that, that we're motivated by our, our Christian beliefs, by our call in the Bible to serve our neighbors. But at the same time, that's not our primary goal. We're not just out there mm -hmm. trying to evangelize. We're trying to improve the lives of people. But I think we've seen a lot of you know people as they see the example that, that of the leaders in our communities, we, they see the way that their families operate differently. They want that. And, you know, we're very clear with people. Bitcoin is a tool. It's not mm -hmm. the end all be all. It's, it's a very valuable tool. But we believe more important than that is is the the, the message of hope that, that Jesus brings. And so, um, like I said, it's not um, it's not part of a necessarily evangelical, you know, operation or movement. But, you know, that's who we are. That's what motivates us. That's why we're willing to give of our time and our resources rather than trying to benefit ourselves because we're motivated by the gospel. Amen. So do to that point, I mean, do you think that um, Hope Houses can be replicated um, in a secular fashion and be successful? Or do you think that um, there, pro there needs to be some sort of Christian motivation and maybe that's a, a silly question, but I'd be kind of interested in, you know, it seems to me that the, this is a ripe opportunity for the church to really re-engage and revitalize mission work. Um, and it seems like the church is perfectly poised with Bitcoin to do this. Um, so I, I don't know if you have any thoughts about, I kind of just threw that out there, but if you had any thoughts about that. Yeah, I don't think that it needs to be the, the Hope House example needs to be, um, you know, a, a religious based thing. I mean, I think you could see governments replicate a lot of the things, but I think the motivation behind the people willing to pour into people's lives, I think we are more we're motivated by our, our call in the gospel to love those around us. And and I don't a lot of times you don't see that in other places in the world. So I do think that is the reason it has been so successful here. And I think it could run into some challenges in other places. I think if people come in and just want to get people using Bitcoin, 
think people see through that and they'll be less willing to trust them and engage. And so I really do believe that that, that is why this project has been so successful. And I think over time, I think as people become, you know, even more open to, to using Bitcoin, there's a lot of parallels, as you mentioned earlier, to, to the gospel and the the fairness in wanting the, the world to be flat and for everybody to be, you know, viewed the same as they are before God and, and people not to be above each other. And so I think Bitcoin is that equalizer that levels the playing field. And I really think the church should em- embrace that. Um, not just for that reason, but also as we move into a post-Christian age where there's going to be more and more deplatforming and, and persecution of the church, Bitcoin is censorship resistant. It is a way to get around those things. And so I think in 10 years from now, there'll be many churches that have been, you know, debanked and deplatformed. And Bitcoin is that escape raft that they can continue to operate and, and continue to um, do just the day-to-day things they need to pay for in order to, you know, follow through with their mission here. And so I think it's going to become increasingly important for the church. That's interesting. I've, I've not thought that far down the line with the church, but that that's a, um, we've seen that in Canada. We've had um, churches that have been, their bank accounts have been shut down because they've not been complying. So that's, a, that's an excellent point. Mike, you've been very gracious to me. I don't want to take more of your time, but you know, the, um, if you think about kind of high lessons learned that you've learned, um, wh- what would be kind of those high point lessons you w- would like to communicate with the audience? I think people underestimate people just because they're they're poor. They they think mm-hmm. that they can't um, you know adopt technology or that they're somehow stupid just because they're living in poverty. And we've seen when you give people tools and you show them how to use it and you challenge them. That's the great thing about Bitcoin. You can plant that seed and then you challenge them. Hey, you got to do the work. You got to do the research. You have to understand that it really helps them reach their full potential. And so that's why it's so exciting to be able to work with. We're seeing these young people that most of them never would have gone on to university. They would have wound up in very menial jobs. Now they're leading the world forward. They're an example for Europe, for the U.S. on this new financial system. And they're really an inspiration to the people that live around them. It used to be that people were kind of embarrassed to be Salvadoran. It was this country of just poverty and tragedy and gangs and all these issues. And now they're really proud to be Salvadoran. They see, no, we're part of a country that's leading the world forward, that's embraced Bitcoin, the first in the world, and is leading the world forward. We have people flying in from all over the world to learn from us. And it's reignited that hope. And the one of the positive kind of consequences is that is now you have people dreaming about building the Salvadoran dream here in El Salvador. Mm -hmm. It used to be like, oh, we have the American dream. We want to sneak into the U.S. and try to earn more money there. But they're realizing that it's much more important to be able to build their country and that they can achieve those dreams more here than they can in the U.S. with their families, not living apart. And we're seeing that that nuclear family come back together. And that makes just such a huge difference. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. If you know of someone who would benefit from hearing this episode, please be sure to pass it along. A passion of ours here is to build a similar model of structure of what you just heard about in Bitcoin Beach in El Salvador, but in Panajachel, Guatemala on Lake Atilan. We'd like for this to become a Bitcoin community project with your direct involvement. You can learn more about the project on Twitter at Lake Bitcoin. 
We'd love for you to consider being a huge part of this project with a small donation that would directly help this community become a Bitcoin circular economy. Also, our desire here at the Mission Bitcoin Podcast is to help you along in your understanding of Bitcoin, your understanding of who Jesus is, and how you can be used for the greatest good. If you're sensing you could use some help and clarity of direction for you in any of these areas, or if you'd like some help for your church in adopting Bitcoin, we'd love to talk. Start a conversation with us by visiting the links in the show notes of today's podcast. Next week, we're back with another brand new episode. So until then, have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Mission Bitcoin podcast. To access the tools discussed today, be sure to use the links found in the show notes. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. 